the first week we talked about what's the one name that God gave himself, right? And we talked about that that name is Yahweh. Um, and then last week we talked about a handful of names that, uh, that God has in the Bible, right? And so there are, there are literally tens, if not hundreds, of different names, variations uh, of, of names that God has in the Bible. And, and a lot of it is, it's their one-offs. That's one of the things that I've learned about um, studying this is that, you know, like Jehovah Jireh, right? We, we talked about that name, and we probably, if you've been in church long enough, you've heard that name before, um, and you think it's so prevalent in the Bible, but it's only found in one spot. Like, that's what's crazy. And so many of these names, they're, they're one-offs. They're one place in the Bible, but it's, it's where God has shown himself faithful in this, and somebody memorializes God and says, he is the God of and, and, and gives him that title because of what he's done in their life. Uh, I was having a chat with somebody about the importance of names. And um, if you've ever named your child or named a child, or maybe you've, na- maybe you've named a dog and you think that that's just as important, cool. Um, but uh, there's some thought, hopefully, that goes into your naming of the kid, right? You know, you just don't, you know, open up a name book, Issachar, cool, we'll name him that. You know, it's, there's some name, there's some thought process to it. I remember when we were, when we were trying to come up with names for, for Zion, we, we had a name for him. Uh, it was Israel. That was going to be Zion's name. <laughs> so, uh, and, and he was going to be Israel Michael or Israel uh, Daniel. And we went to a Hillsong concert and Stephanie's pregnant, and, and y'all have never seen Stephanie pregnant, but when Stephanie gets pregnant, she gets pregnant. Like, <sighs> uh, and she, I'm not like, just listen, just ask for pictures, you'll see. Like, she went eight months pregnant, she went houseboat camping with us. I'm like, you are amazing. Um, but uh, we were at the concert, Hillsong Worship, and, uh, and she's sitting there, and like, God just drops this thought into, uh, to her brain and says, I want you to name your child Zion. Now, you don't argue with God. <laughs> you know, he's, if he would have said, name him Apple Tree, we would have been like, well, he's going to get picked on for the rest of his life, but Apple Tree he is, you know? And so, uh, you see what I did there? Um, but we, there's this importance about names. And I was chatting back and forth about the importance of names. And one of the things that I love about it is that when it comes to names, even though there may be names that have a, uh, a deceptive or a negative meaning, how God can turn it and he wants to redeem those things. And how he wants to, to bring uh, a newness and a, almost like a rename. Like I talked about it the first week, how he renamed so many people in the Bible. Abram to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah, uh, Paul was Saul, Peter was Simon, uh, Israel you know, was Jacob. And, and, and there was meanings behind all of that. And so the importance of God's name. The importance of, of how we see God and what we call God is, is extremely important. I love this, uh, this thought. I said it last week. I'll say it again this week because I think it's very important when it comes to how we view the names of God. It says, uh, it's by, by a theologian by the name of Stanley Howris. Uh, he says, we, like the people of Israel, would like to think that we get to name God. By naming God, we hope to get the kind of God we need. That is a God after our own likeness. 
And, and I think that's important kind of a thought process. Who do we believe God is? Because if we try to create God in, in the image of what we would like, we will always get a God that is okay with our lifestyle, okay with our failures, okay with our shortcomings. And we will make a God that is okay with us not being challenged. But the reality is, is that when we look at God in the Bible and all the different names that are represented in him, there is this amazing collection that is to challenge us, to encourage us, to equip us, and to create in us his spirit. So I want to give you a few more names that are collected with the six that we had last week. I think I've got four um, this week. And, and as I kind of picked through these uh, names and, and God kind of revealed the ones he wanted me to share, I think this week in particular, there's an order that is important. And the, the first name that God showed me is that he is the God of truth. Um, in, in the Old Testament, that would be El Emet. El Emet. And you find this in Psalms 31.5, uh, and it says this, Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, God of truth. Into your hands I commit my, sp- uh, my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, God of truth. In Psalms 25, 5, I love uh, how it says it in the Passion Translation. It says, escort me into your truth. Escort me into your truth. Take me by the hand and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. I have wrapped my heart into yours all day long. And and so you see in the Old Testament this, this beautiful picture that God is the God of truth. That there is a standard, there is a, there is a, a, a starting point of what truth looks like. It's more than something he produces, it is who he is. That Jesus would, uh, then as, as God goes through the Old Testament and re- shows himself to be the God of truth, the God of, of standard. You know, could you imagine if you needed surgery? Uh, looking at eye doctors, right? If I needed, if I need, as I wear glasses, right? If, if I needed some type of thing on my eye, I'm not just going to go to anybody. I'm going to trust them. I need to know that they've had some type of truth, some type of study, some type of uh, aspect that has shown them to be standardized in their practices so that I know that when they get near my eyeball, they're not guessing, Right? Because, I mean, we, we've only, you know, they're kind of small, comparative to the rest of your body. So, oops, I hit something, all of a sudden you're blind. Right? You know, oops, and I, oh, well, he's got another one. Right? You know, like, that's not what you want to hear when you go to the eye doctor. It's okay. God made two of those. You'll be fine. Not what you want to hear. Right? You're, you, when you go there, you want to trust them. A, a, a millimeter, a centimeter one way or the other, a tiny little movement can be the difference between you seeing or not seeing. You know, and, and, and I've always thought it funny. Anybody ever sat in the eye doctor and they go, do you see better now or now? Anybody ever feel like they're just guessing? <laughs> I can see them both. I don't know. Well, tell me what I see. I, 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 there's sometimes where I'm like, can you do it again? And, and again, nope, uh, again, go one, go back. Nope, no, I don't know. We're good. 
Then you're just hoping when you get your glasses, you can put them on, you can see right. You're like, well, part of it was my problem. I didn't tell them one or two, okay? <laughs> you know, or you're trying to be, you know, I can see perfectly fine. Anybody, like, listen, I'll be honest. I can read the back TV. I can read my name where it says Pastor Scott and lead pastor. I can see where it says John. But I'm telling you, if I had to read that, I'm going to look like this, right? And I could sit there and say, oh, I don't need that. I don't need glasses. I can, I can see perfectly fine. But the truth of the matter is that if I wanted to see clearer, if I wanted to, I could probably read John um, 14.6 <laughs> perfectly fine without my glasses, but the matter of fact is, is that we go through, and listen, this is, this, it's funny, but it's the reality. We go through life and we go, oh, there's really no truth. Oh, there's no standardization. And we try to just blindly go through it, just kind of fumbling our way through it. And God's like, listen, I gave a standard of truth. If you would just put the glasses on, you would see how clear and how real life can be if you trust me as the God of truth. And Jesus steps on the scene and he says this in John 14, 6. So scriptures right here, I could do this without my glasses. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. We want standards and we want people who understand the value of their profession in almost every aspect of life. But then when it comes to us holding Christianity valuable in our own life, we go, eh, I can half-heart it. I, I, I talk about y'all's professions because it's it's what y'all do. You know, I, we have a couple of plumbers in, in in the church, a handful actually. Could you imagine if they showed up to your house to fix your plumbing and they said, eh, it halfway works. It flushes, but it's going to stay in the room. You'd be like, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. I live in modern America where the stuff leaves my house. <laughs> Right? Like you would not be okay with a plumber that just goes, well, look, the toilet, it flushes, but it's going to drain on the floor. Exactly. Ugh. You wouldn't be okay with that. You would not, you would not be okay with that. And, but yet when it comes to our life, we go, ah, I like the truth that makes me feel good, but the truth that hurts a little bit, the truth that convicts a little bit, the truth that makes me go, ooh, ouch, I gotta change. Ooh, I gotta, I gotta, you know, I gotta get closer to God and lean in. And there's a holiness aspect that will always, and I, I truly believe this, that when we get closer to God, He's going to start to say, hey, you know, those words that, that you use, are you okay with them? Because I'm not. And it's not a evil God trying to say that you're not good enough. It's an amazing God that's trying to get you closer to him and make you look like him and live like him and be like him. The God of truth wants truth to be pulled out of you. It is amazing what happens when you understand that God is not just a form of truth, but he is the truth. And if you don't have a foundation of God as truth, then nothing else about being a follower of God will make sense. I mean, think about it. Faith is so backwards that if you don't understand God as the ultimate truth, you will not understand the rest of Christianity. Like, live sacrificially. Mm. Do we have to? 
Um, how about uh, you're going to go through tough times? Well, what about all that like good stuff? You know, did you read that Joel Osteen's church like you know just has money falling out of the uh, the walls? Like, where's that church? I want I want I want a church that you just open up the walls and money starts falling out. Like, <laughs> fall on tough times? No, I don't want God. God's a God of prosperity and goodness and and kindness and mercy. And we want to like all the good scriptures. But he go, but Paul's the one that you know sits there and says, Hey, look, you know I, I've gone through hell and back, and and yet I love Jesus obedience, faithfulness. None of that makes sense if you don't first start with the fact that God is true. I think that one of the biggest things that the enemy has done is he has made believers believe that you don't have to read the word. If you just get enough good preaching, then it's, it's good enough for your soul. I'm telling you, the, the worst thing you can do is just listen to pastors and listen to podcasts and listen to uh, messages and not dive into to it for yourself. Because God's going to reveal things to you personally that he will never reveal through me because I don't know what you're walking through. He does. So the God of truth pulls these things out and he, and he challenges you. And there's times where you'll read one scripture and you'll be like, oh, that's pretty good. And then you'll read it again like a few months later and you're like, oh, that messed me up because of what you're walking through. And the God of truth starts to go, hey, let me, let me drop, let me, now that you're getting closer to me, let me drop a little bit more truth into you. Let me, let me draw you in a little bit closer. Into your hands I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, God of truth. Some of us need to commit our lives to him fully so that the truth of his word can be pulled out in us. Now, I'm going to say this. If you do not like the fact that he is God of truth, nothing else I say today is going to matter. <laughs> because if you don't believe him as God of truth, then all these other names of God are just going to be like, eh, whatever. Because everything else is foundationally found in the fact that he is the God of truth. I was talking to somebody else, and, 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 and this thought came across that um, I, don't have to agree, I don't have to like everything in the Bible, but I do have to follow it. And that's, that's tough because we're told so many times that if you don't like it, if it doesn't feel good, it, it doesn't need to be a part of your life. But sometimes some things that we don't like need to be pulled out of us. And the truth is, is that, that it's, it's the, the, the truth that it may hurt, but it also is what is best for us. So he's the God of truth. The second thing that, that God showed me this week in looking through the names is that he is the God of redemption. And this, to me, is one of the most awesome names that he can have. Eshuati. I'm probably messing that up because I'm not Jewish. But it's Yeshua with a T-I on it. El Yet, and, 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 and trust me, I, I look up and I like listen to them. Like If you don't know, you can actually listen to these. Uh, go to blueletterbible.com and you can look up the Strong's Concordance name and it'll sit there and you've got this like driest, like boringest guy ever going, Strong's 4589. El Yeshuati. El Yeshuati. And he says it three times, and you're like, got it. No, you don't. Then you sleep, and you're like, ah, how do you say that again? But, he, but that, that means God of redemption. Some of you are going to go home, and you're going to look up blueletterbible.org, and you're going like, to look for the, the monotone guy. He's there, I promise you. This, 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 uh, this title, this name of God is found in Isaiah 12, verse 2. 
He says, see, God has come to save me. I will trust in him and not be afraid. The Lord God is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. In a couple other places, it, 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 it kind of brings us out. Psalms 18.2 says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. I love what Galatians 2.20 says. It says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, all of these uh, scriptures right there, that, that group of scriptures is speaking about a redemptive God that wants to take what you have done with your life and give his spin to it, his perfection, his holiness, and he wants to make you knew. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my savior, my savior. That word savior is that, that El Yeshuati, that, that redeemer, the one that, that, that can take, you know, something that looks so messed up and turn it around and make it glorious. And so many of us, we listen to the lie that you've been, you, you've, you've walked through too much or you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You've, you, you're, you're, you're done messed up. And God's going, I can, I can redeem anything. I can redeem all things. The worst story that you can possibly imagine, I can redeem that. And some of you, you sit out there and you question whether or not that that love of God and that redemption power of God can actually do something in your life. And I'm telling you right now that God has the power to turn every life around. Every addiction, every thought process, every uh, bad experience. I believe that God wants to take every single thing that you've walked through and he wants to put his spin on it and say, look, even though you've walked through it, I can use it for my goodness. I can use it to help reach people. He redeems because it is his nature to redeem. He, he, he loves to, to take broken things and bring wholeness back to them. The whole story of the Bible is, is a story of redemption from Adam and Eve to Jesus. And the Spirit, he is shifting a perspective towards God's nature, holiness, and purpose, which will lead to action and change. See, here's the thing. We, we sometimes think that if we can just change the action of a believer or a person, that we've got them closer to God. And I'm telling you that, any, I, listen, if if we can all fake it, right? Have <laughs> it fake it till you make it, right? But God's like, what does his word say? It says, I know the inner parts of you. Like, I know what your heart does. So you can put on a smile and you can do all the right things and you can all do all the good things and you can say all the holy words and you can raise your hands during worship. And I know your heart. I know what you struggle with and I know the, the thoughts that you have. And, and there's been so many times in church where, where I, I've gone through seasons where everybody else from the outside, it looks like I'm just, you know, oh, I'm so good at, at faking it. <laughs> God goes, you're not even close to me right now. You're not even, you're not even allowing my redemptive nature to come in and to, to wash your life clean and to get you back on track with where I want you. So you have to understand that the God of truth is to be able to see the God of redemption. 
You, you can't have the God of redemption without the God of truth. You can't have the, this God that wants to speak into your life the truth of his goodness and the truth of his word and the truth that will set you free before the God of redemption. So to get to the God of redemption, you've got to have the foundation that he is the God of truth. Repentance must be rooted in a high, and I, and I love this thought, redemption must be rooted in a high value of God, not a high value of oneself. What is repentance? Repentance is a, is a, is a spiritual, biblical church word for turning the other way. That's it. Repentance is literally saying, I, I'm going in a direction that I don't like anymore. And I'm going to turn this way and go the opposite way. And God says, if, if you really want to see all that I can do, then you need to stop walking in the way that you think is right and walking in the way that is opposite of me. And you need to turn and you need to repent. You need to say, I'm sorry, and I'm going to go the direction that you want for me. But you can't find repentance while you're focused on what you think is best for you, but you have to find it in what God says is best for you the God of redemption. The third name that God took me to this week is the God of joy. I feel like this is one that so many of us miss right now. Man, we're just walking through life. We're just going through life. We're just, we're just hoping there's not another variant. We're just hoping there's not more bad news coming down the pipeline. I mean, like, my heart is broken for Kentucky. Um, and, 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 you know, it's, it, it feels like every single time you turn on the news or, or get on the Internet, like some other major catastrophe is happening or something bad is happening, and you're like, God, I just want some joy in my life. The God of joy. Yeah, say that word. So the, the, the Hebrew word for that is simcha gil. And you're probably going, there's no K in that. I know. But that's how you pronounce it. Simcha gil. The God of joy. See, that, that word simcha means exceedingly joy. And gil is a revolution. It's a, it's a circle of joy. I found it really interesting when I was studying that because I was thinking about like a wedding ring, right? There's no, no beginning, no ending. It's just never ending. It's, it's there. It's, it's, it's love eternal. And, and what God is saying is that joy has no beginning and no end. And you're going, well, that's a bunch of bull, right? Like <laughs> I get upset at times. There's no joy in that. I, I, I get sad at times. There's no joy in that. And I think that we've got to have this different perspective of what godly joy is. If God is the God of joy, that is, it's not bound by circumstances, but by his nature. If you have a bad day, it doesn't mean that you've lost joy. <clears throat> if you've had a bad year, it doesn't mean that you have to lose your joy. Psalm 43, 4 says this, there I will go to the altar of God, to God, the source of all my joy. I'll praise you with my harp, O God, my God. I'll go to the altar of God because he's the source of my joy. And so I guess it begs the question, what is the source of our joy? If it's found in relationships, we're going to fail at times because not all relationships, even if you're married, even if you've been in a relationship for a long time, they're not always great. 
So there's days where you wake up and you're just like, just me? Okay. Honest time, transparent time. I woke up yesterday and I was to everything. Like everything. I looked at Stephanie and I said, I'm just not in a good mood. I wasn't. I was not in a good mood. I was like, I knew I wasn't in a good mood. I went to, to, to that other work, and I was like, I'm not in a good mood. I even told my, uh, my, my watch commander, I said, I am in a crappy mood. I am. I'm in a crappy mood. I, I'm, I'm sleep deprived, and I don't like life right, right now. <laughs> I don't. Like life right this second is no bueno. Not, I'm not happy. But that's the key, right? Is that, and here's, here's, here's the key to what happened. Here's, here's the process into which I think, so that you can realize that I'm not all that holy. Um, I'm, I'm just human, and I've found ways to keep myself connected to Jesus in the times that I am having a crap. And, and being able to articulate that and tell people, hey, look, I hate life right this second. Okay. So if I jump down your throat, just know I'm pre-warning you. I need to take a nap. I also needed food, but I also realized I wasn't like, anybody ever been like so hungry that nothing sounds good? Yeah, that, that was me last night. So I was hungry. I was upset. I was cranky and I was not loving life. Okay. Oh, the, hangry wasn't even the beginning of it. Like... <laughs> It was just, I mean, and so I'm sitting in my car and I'm just like, okay, God, like this is just the real conversation that I have. This is, this is, it's, it's not like I didn't get out of my patrol car in the middle of Camden and go, oh, Jesus, holy reverent father above, take over my life. I'm sitting in my patrol car going, God, life sucks. But you're in control. So, help me be joyful. Help me to find the good in something tonight. Help me to have a different perspective shift. There I will go to the altar of God, to God the source of all my joy. That is a daily aspect of saying, God, even if I'm having a good day and I'm happy, I find myself joyful in you. And if I'm having a really crappy day and all I want to do is bop people in their face... I can still be joyful. Now, I can't be joyful and bop people in their face, but <laughs> I can have the thought process of it, and the joy will change my perspective of how I live. There are things we can consistently do to produce the God of joy in our lives, no matter what we are facing. Story after story in the Bible, Paul and Silas. Look, listen, if, <laughs> if they can worship God being bound in, in chains in jail, I think that whatever we go through, we can find a way to worship and find joy. Joseph, also found in jail. I'm seeing a recurring theme. Daniel got thrown in the lion's den. Anybody following my drift? What we're walking through, not as drastic as any of those stories. And what I'm saying is if, we can, if they can find joy and find purpose and strength in those moments, then the things that we do walk through, as, even as bad or as big as they are in your life, I'm telling you, if you can find a perspective shift and find the God of joy in that moment, it has nothing to do with your circumstance and it has everything to do with your spirit. Joy is not an emotion like happiness. Do not get the two twisted. 
It's a spiritual personality of God. And that's, that's part of the problem is that we're looking for an emotion when God is saying, I want to be present in your life. Because I can make hangry go away. Eat a Snickers bar. Right? That's what the commercials have told me. But, and trust me, I made hangry go away last night. I over hangried myself. Like, I told my watch commander, I went from like hungry and not knowing how to feed, like to, to, to overstuffed. And uh, then I was just tired. It was like the whole cycle of being a toddler. It's not an emotion. God took me to these three scriptures that I think are, are so uh, poignant. Philippians 4.4, 4, always <laughs> be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Always. Like there's no room for like, oh, I've had a bad day and I'm just going to make everybody hate you. No, always. I can't, I can't pay this bill. Always be joyful. Well, that sounds stupid, Scott. I know, but like I didn't write the book. But I do know that there have been times where I cannot write the check or, or pay the bill, and yet I found joy and peace. I don't know how it works. I just know that if you trust God, it works. 1 Thessalonians 5, 15 through 18. Now, I was just going to do one scripture, but then I was like, ah, oh, the rest of it's really good. 15 through 18. See that no one pays back evil for evil. That's a great scripture. But always try to do good to each other and to all people. There's some really, really great principles there. Don't, don't repay evil for evil. Just because somebody does something bad to you doesn't mean that you get to do bad to them. But do good to, all, to everybody that you can, even the people that you don't like. And then it says this, always be joyful. You know, that's like one, that's, that, that is literally a scripture in the Bible. There's nothing added to it, nothing taken away from it. That's just one verse. Always be joyful. There's, there's, there's no like when you feel good, when your team wins, when you have enough money in the bank, when your spouse is, is loving you exactly how you have pictured it in your whole world. They're cooking breakfast for you. The house is clean. They tell you to prop your feet up, put the game on. They bring you lunch and go mow the yard. I have not thought about this at all. Always be joyful. And then the next scripture is, Never stop praying. It's funny how those two things go together. When you disconnect yourself from the source of joy through prayer, you will disconnect yourself from the joy of life. Man, I just, I don't know how to get joy. Connect yourself to God. Stop connecting yourself to the things that, that drag you down, that weigh you down, that, that put circumstances and put all of these emotional drains and all of the, connect yourself to God. And then he says, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Man, we should go home and we should like meditate on that set of scriptures because there's so much goodness in that scripture. Because we're told that circumstances are everything, but it says, be thankful in all circumstances. Do good to all people. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. What great principles, and they are principles of the God of joy. 
Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink. In other words, it's not about the circumstances that come your way. How many of you have had a really good dinner at one point in your life? Like there was like just a meal that, like if I said name the one meal that you've had, you're like, oh yeah, that one. Like I go back to every single time I go to a really high-end steak place and like I've gone to like three in my life. Uh, yeah. There's one in Dallas that I went to, I don't know, three years ago. Oh yeah, I mean, I can still taste the steak. Like, I'm like Peter Pan in Hook. Like, I just have to, like, believe it enough that the steak will reappear and I retaste it. It's that good. But the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat, eat or drink. It's not the circumstance, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. What matters in life is not the circumstances we face, but it is the perspective that we live in and the spirit in which we live it in, the God of joy. I'll say it this way that maybe is a little bit easier. When we understand what life is about, we stop majoring on the minors. Well, they don't have the same political beliefs. Well, they don't have the same theological beliefs. I can't, I can't hang out with Methodist or Baptist or Pentecostals or, you know. Isn't it interesting that the devil has got the Christians fighting each other because of denominations? <laughs> Oh, they're Methodists. We can't worship with them. What's going to happen when you get to heaven? I'm looking for the the non-denominational Pentecostal light version of heaven. Where's that at? Looking for my peoples. We worship, just not as much. (laughs) I'm going to be really messed up. When God gets up, like, like when you read what heaven is like, it doesn't say like, oh, you know, that brand will be over there. The ones that had really cool t-shirts will be over here. You guys that like smokes, machines, and lights, you're in the deep corners of heaven. We really, we're so sick of y'all. We've got to stop majoring on the minors, and we've got to start focusing on what matters. And God says, it is a perspective of who I am that runs deep in your life. Now, let me give you the last two. To me, these are, these are two that I've been sitting on for a couple of weeks. The God of peace. Man, can I tell you the last two years, like, um, yeah, peace is not how I would describe it. Uh, tormented, maybe? Um, chaotic, maybe? Peaceful, not so much. Yahweh Shalom, God of peace. Let me, give you, let me give you a couple of scriptures where this is found. This is actually, so this is one of those, uh, those names where it's only found in one scripture, right? So it's found in Judges. If you know the story of Gideon, it, it's, it's a crazy story. This is a, this is a guy who comes from, listen, the angel of the Lord, a.k.a. Jesus, shows up, and uh, Gideon is doing something in a, in a place where he shouldn't be because he's afraid of the enemy that's going to find him. He's not your version of courage. He's like, and, and then the angel you know, shows up and he says, oh, mighty warrior. And Gideon's like, me? Bro, I'm hiding from my enemy. I'm the least... I'm, I am the least person in my tribe, and my tribe is the least people of Israel. I am anything but a mighty warrior. You are mistaken. 
And so Gideon starts to have this conversation with this angel. And so Judges 6, 23 through 24, this is where this, this, uh, this name of God, Yahweh Shalom, comes from. It says, when Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, O sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. <laughs> I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And, it's, and the Lord replies, it is all right. Do not be afraid. You will not die. Now, that's very important because everywhere else in the Bible that says that anybody that saw God in that form or Jesus in the Old Testament form died. Like, so imagine Gideon when he's like, oh, crap, I just saw you. I'm, gonna, I'm next. It's, it's like the mafia hit spiritually. And he says, you will not die. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord, and he named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. And the altar remains there in Oprah. I'm just actually, yeah. In the land of the clan of Abiyaz, to this day. I'm telling you, Old Testament names stink. (laughs) So, So he has this amazing experience with God where he is frightful, he is fearful, and he thinks he's going to die. And then he names a place Yahweh Shalom. The Lord is peace. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 through 24 says, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful. 2 Thessalonians three sixteen. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you his peace at all times and in every situation. The Lord be with you always. Romans 16, 20, the God of peace will, I love this one. Uh, Some of us need to really amen this. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. All of these scriptures have this beautiful picture of what it means for God to be the God of peace. And it ends with this one that doesn't seem very peaceful. It says the God of peace is going to crush something. That doesn't sound very peaceful. The God of peace is going to kill Satan. That's pretty much what the scripture says, right? And so, uh, and so you've got this beautiful picture of what Yahweh Shalom looks like. Now, let me give you my synopsis of those four scriptures and what they produce in us. The God of peace produces holiness, right? That's what it says. Now, may the God, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23-20, may the God of peace make you holy in every way. He makes you holy. He makes you blameless in spirit, body, and soul. God's peace isn't circumstantial. That's what 2 Thessalonians says, that his peace would be with you at all times and in every situation, that, it, that, that peace isn't a circumstance. I'll take you back to when we realized that COVID was not going away. <laughs> it was here. Now we've got like 30 different variants. They're all coming after us. They're going to get you. And I remember, like, I remember when it first hit, and I tried to convince myself, it's just going to be like six weeks. We're going to be good. We're going to be okay. And I thought, we're, we're going to get through this. We're going to, it, it'll be okay. Financially, you know, the church, if, if, if we can just, you know, if we can just survive like four to six weeks, we'll be good financially. People aren't going to leave. We're, we're growing. We're, we're on this great path. We're, oh man, God, you're doing amazing things, right? And I'm just, I'm trying to convince myself. Six months later, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at the finances of the church going, well, God, hmm, what do we do now? (laughs) What do we do 
now. And I remember having that moment where the enemy tried to speak death into me. (laughs) Anybody ever been so fraught with chaos and fear that it literally felt like your world was spinning? Like literally felt like your world was spinning. And I had that moment in our house one night when I opened up my app um, to our our church bank account and I said, oh crap. (laughs) Oh no. Oh no, 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 no. Well, this is a good run. And everything inside of me said, you're going to fail. You're going to fail. How can you keep the church doors open? How can, you, how can you take care of your family? You don't even have enough to pay yourself anymore. Like imagine, imagine waking up one day, you're thinking, oh, okay, we've still got the money in the bank. We're, we're still doing things. We're still ministering. We're still being able to put food on the table, blah, blah, blah. And then the next, that same night, you're opening up the bank account. And you're going, nope, nope, nope. We're going to be homeless. Sell everything. And that's the fear that, God, uh, that, that the enemy wants to put in you, that he wants you to look at your circumstances and go, abandon ship. Abandon ship. Get, get, get out of here because, because God isn't going to show up. And I remember <laughs> I said something to Stephanie in a very vague way because I knew that if I said everything that I was feeling, she'd probably leave. Like, it's just, well, <laughs> I don't know what else to do with this. I'm freaked out. Let's go. So I kind of vaguely said, you know, the, um, this, 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 this COVID thing has lasted longer than I thought. And, well, we may have some struggles financially soon. And then I left. <laughs> I ran from my problems up to my room, and I got in bed, and I just sat there. I laid there. And I had two choices right then and there. I could allow the circumstances to overcome me and say, well, this is how it is. Tomorrow we'll wake up and we'll just start selling things. Close shop shop and call it a day. Or I could realize that the God of peace overcomes all circumstances. And so I put on a song called Peace Be Still, a worship song, and I put it on repeat, and I just let it play over me while I was laying in bed, and I just started to pray, God, you, you knew that this was going to happen. Like, you, like, this isn't surprising to you. It sucks for me, but it doesn't surprise you. What do you want us to do? And his answer was like, I called you here for a purpose. I called you here for a reason, so don't let this scare you. This is just a blip. This is just, this is just part of the story. Watch what I will do. And, and we're still, we're like, trust me, we are just in the beginning middle of this. Like, we're somewhere in the whatever of all of this. And, and I'm going, okay, God, well, but, but, you know, and, and here's the thing. Here's, here's me bargaining with God. But God, you don't understand. Like we had this great start to the church and we were like growing and, 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 and man, it felt so full. There was like 60 plus people showing up every Sunday. And why would you allow this to happen? And he's going, will you shut up and just go along with the ride? Like what's better, your version of the story or mine? Hmm. I'm the God of peace. Can I tell you that was over a year ago when I had that conversation with God? We're still here. We're, we're so good here that, that we're able to, 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 to do things like, you know, hey, let's put out $1,500 and do a movie that, that, you know, hopefully 140 people will show up and hear the gospel of Jesus. 
We're, we're, we're so good here that, that throughout this whole process, we've continued to serve our community so well, but we just gave a $400 check to the uh, police department so that kids could go shopping with a cop next Saturday. Like we're, we're so good here that God has con- constantly met our needs and we've got $23,000 in the bank. We're, we're, we're good. Now it didn't have to, it didn't look how I wanted it to look. Because, like, I had my little tantrum. And, well, God, but I'm not full-time, and I've been full-time my whole career. And so, do you, so do you stop serving me and stop being a pastor just because you can't get a paycheck? Yeah, you don't think my toes don't get stepped on? God's like, okay, Paul was a tent maker. Shut up and go do something. The God of peace isn't circumstantial. He wants to produce holiness and grow you. He wants to create a blameless spirit, body, and soul inside of you. He wants to create boldness and courage. He looked at Gideon and he called him what he wasn't so that he would step up to the challenge through the peace of God. And God wants to look at some of us and go, hey, hey, you, you, you mighty warrior. And you're like, whatever. No. And he goes, yes. He wants to create boldness and courage in you. God's peace creates access to God's presence. And the last one that I absolutely love is that God's peace is the doorway to victory. If you want to see victory over the enemy in your life, then maybe you need to start trusting the God of peace and not the circumstances and the noise around you. Jesus speaks peace to the storm and then challenges our faith. Don't, let's think back to that story where, where Jesus is taking a nap in the middle of a hurricane. It's like, we freak out if we start seeing a little wind. We're like, oh, Lord. Toto. Antium, antium. Like, my kids now hear thunder, and they're like, well, we're losing our house. (laughs) True, True story. Like, listen, Zion has to, like, he does not, like, the last time a tree fell at our house, like, that, he was done. He's like, this southern thunderstorm stuff is not for me. Not okay with it, okay? How many times in our life do we, one little thing happens, we're like, Jesus, we're drowning, and he's like, I'm still taking a nap. And then after he gets up out of his nap because we woke him up, he then looks at us and goes, okay, storm, time to go away. He speaks peace to our storm, and then he comes to us, and he goes, don't you have enough faith to believe in me, to trust me? That I will work, like it doesn't look good, but it's going to work out good for you. Jesus not only wants to speak peace to our storm, but he wants to grow us in our faith. Last one. The God of hope. Now there's two variations of this. There's um, lovely Jewish Hebrew words. Tikva or Mikvah Yisrael, the hope of Israel. Now, let me take you to a Marvel's movie (laughs) as I talk about the God of hope, as I wrap up this message. How many have seen Endgame, right? Marvel's Endgame, okay? There's that scene at the very beginning where where Hawkeye is is going on a rampage and he's killing all of these bad guys because he doesn't know what else to do. He's lost hope. He's like, I'm just going to take out everybody. And Black Widow 
has to hunt him down and tell him something. And this is how this, this conversation goes. It goes, Hawkeye says, you shouldn't be here. And, and Black Widow says, neither should you. And Hawkeye says, I've got a job to do. And Black Widow says, is that what you're calling this? Killing all these people isn't going to bring your family back. And then Black Widow says, we found something, a chance, maybe. And Hawkeye says, don't. And Black, Wid- or Black Widow says, don't what? And Hawkeye looks at her and says, don't give me hope. And Black Widow says, I'm sorry I couldn't give it to you sooner. The, the worst thing that we can do in life is lose hope. Because when we lose hope... We lose a purpose and a reason for living. And Hawkeye, he lost his reason for living because his family got taken when Thanos snapped his finger and half the world disappeared. And now Black Widow comes and says, listen, there's a chance that all of this world can be redeemed and given revalue. And he's like, don't do this to me. I've, I've, I've worked it out to where my emotions are. I'm heartless and I can kill anybody I want. Don't, don't bring hope that, that I, this world can be redeemed. See, in in this word, these Jewish words for hope, the God of hope, is literally an expectation and something to long for. Psalm 71.5, O Lord, you alone are my hope. I've trusted you, O Lord, from childhood. Psalm 62.5 through 8, let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. Oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. I think we've lost the art of waiting quietly for God. Biblical hope is not just a a what if, but a what if attached to I know God will. The other word for hope, mikvah, means something waited for, a confidence, a gathering together. I love that the fact that that, uh, that word in the Hebrew actually means a fountain or collection of water. Because how many times did Jesus call himself the spring of life or the living water? Some of you don't have hope because you aren't drinking, you are drinking from dried up wells. Past hurts, bad relationships, emotional imbalance, spiritual fads, addictions. And I'm telling you, if you can go to the source of hope, the source of joy, the source of peace, it's an amazing thing. Hope is a dangerous thing because when, when trusted to the God of hope, hope is what gives me the ability to do what I do. That's why I get up. Give you a couple of scriptures and then we're done. Romans 15, 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. That scripture says this hope causes our faith to be built up and shown off. Hope causes you to want to live a better life. Hope causes you to want to be better for Jesus and be better for the people around you. I'll end with Hebrews 11.1. There's another scripture, but I think this one kind of wraps it up and we've heard it 
so many times, Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we cannot see. Faith shows off the thing that we hope. In other words, faith is the action of the foundation of the God of hope in us. And if you really want to see the other end of what we're walking through, you have to believe it. You have to hope it. I wake up every day with an expectation, God, you're going to do something. You know, there's times where I walk into this room and nobody's in here and I just go, God, I know one day this is going to look different. Like hope has me dreaming crazy dreams because of crazy faith. I've even talked with the guy, the, the guy who owns this building and said, will you sell it to us? Look around. Does it look like we should be buying any property? <laughs> it's kind of crazy. But, but what if God is like saying, hey, will you, will you step out in hopes that I'm going to do something that only I can do? And what is that in your life? The God of hope wants to do something amazing, but you can't just sit on the other side of hope and go, well, I can't see it. I can't touch it. So I don't want to step out. I'm afraid and fearful of what that may look like. What if I fail? What if people laugh at me? What if it, what if it doesn't look the way that I want it to? Welcome to the team. Let's run together. The God of hope. Don't you see that, that Jesus was written through all of these names that I spoke? All of these names Jesus was written through. The God of redemption, the God of truth, the God of hope, the God of peace, the God of joy. And he wants to produce those things in you. That's my prayer today. So will you join with me in just praying like that, that God will in, develop in us those characteristics? Pray with me. Jesus, I just thank you so much. I thank you that, that you don't stop where it looks like our story should end. So many of us, if we, if we stopped our story at the worst part, man, we would be, we'd be messed up. But God, that's just the beginning of your redemption. That's the, re the beginning of your hope for our lives. And God, I pray that we could see that. God, I pray that if there's anything that we get out of today, it's that you are not a circumstantial God. You're not bound by, by what we see. You're not bound by what we feel. You're not bound by, by, the, by the moments of life that we live in. God, you already knew what was going to happen. And so, God, help us to have faith and hope and joy and peace in those moments that we would walk out our belief and our trust in you that you would do something amazing. God, I proclaim, and I, I, not, in a, not in a you have to do it, but I proclaim that, God, that you are not finished with us yet individually, as a church. God, you're not finished with it. There are great stories that you are writing right now that we don't even know yet. God, stories of, of redemption, stories of hope, stories of peace. God, stories of how you have turned a circumstance and made it so much better. That God, that we would trust in you. And that, God, that we would pray these names. That, that, God, when we need hope, we would pray to the God of hope. God of hope, I pray that you would speak into me because I don't feel it right now. But I don't want my feelings to dictate what I'm walking through. I want to know that you are still on the other side, just like uh, Hawkeye. Help us not get to a place where we have lost hope. But that we trust in you. Say, God, I know that you're on the other end of whatever I'm walking through. God of joy would 
be developed in us. God, even when we walk through the hardest moments of our life, there would be something inside of us that says that, I know my God is with me, and so I can have joy. Because it's a perspective, and it's a spiritual battle. It's not an emotion. And peace. God, I pray that over us. God, I pray that as we, we walk through the next two weeks of, of celebrating this baby Jesus, that it's not just a moment and a season with trees and lights and all sorts of fun moments, but God, we really do stop and just thank God that you, you did this for us. You came to heaven on earth as a baby for us and for redemption. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you so much for changing my life and giving me a purpose that is bigger than anything I could ever dream or imagine. So God, let us go and, and show you off to the world around us. Make a difference by showing the rest of the world this amazing God, this God of truth, this God of redemption, this God of joy, this God of peace, and this God of hope. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, and in your name we pray. Amen. 